You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Yes, I'm Chris McPherson alongside Fran Duffy. Fran, we are just, as we film this or record it, since we are technically now on video, two weeks away from the start of the regular season. Yes, and it's. Uh, I feel like the next two weeks are going to go by really slow. Oh, I disagree. No. No, I think it's going to oh, be slow. It's, it's going to be fast. I don't it's think so. Next game, week will be fast. This week's going to be slow. The game's going to be here before, before we know. It's Thursday. It's not like a, a week-to-week game. It's not like you're going from a Friday or a Saturday to a Thursday night game. Yeah. It's, I don't it's, know. You know it's the good thing is, is that we got, we got college football Saturday, so we got that too. So that kind of, kind of cut it in half. That's the only thing you look forward to. Cut it in half. It's like just to the next little bit of football. Well, that's the thing is you got the Eagles game Thursday, and then that let long stretch before the the next game, the ten days before that. Okay, we've got college football on Saturday. Will you go see high school football in the meantime? To no, we got to, we, have, your... we have Temple, Penn State at the link on uh, on Saturday, so that'll be exciting, real exciting. No Cheltenham games for you? No, no Cheltenham <laughs> games for me. I was just going to wait. If if our producer, Brian Thomas, uh, has the little crickets drop, that's where I was going to go with the <laughs> Temple-Penn State one there. So, And uh, we also have Chris Stevens. He doesn't have the microphone right now. Uh, we might hear from him a little bit later on in the show. We're it's, gonna, getting, it's getting toasty in here. Oh, it is getting a little warm here. Where's Will Smith's summertime? Do I that smell, would, do I smell be bacon? Perfect. Wow. Yeah, you got to stay tuned just a little bit longer to find out what that's all about. It has to do with the interview who this week is receiver Rashid Bailey, the rookie free agent who born and raised in Philadelphia, the Roxborough section, went to Roxborough High, played his college ball at Del Val, not too far from here, and now he's trying to fulfill a dream and make the final 53-man roster. I figured this would be a good week to bring him on because it's a go- they're going against the New York Jets, the final preseason game, the annual exhibition finale so to speak with New York which is a little different this year because of the fact that they'll play them early on in the regular season but you're not seeing too many of the players who are going to be no. suiting up on Thursday against correct the Jets in a regular season yeah no question so I, I don't imagine that we'll see too much in terms of scheme and you know it'll probably no. be a lot of what we've seen so far this preseason where the Eagles are running uh, the same plays over and over and over in one game with success though oh absolutely no question it's been the same thing. I'm not going to argue that. But they are uh, the most prolific offensive team thus far in the preseason. So, again, thank you very much for listening, downloading, however you're enjoying this podcast. Please, uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to whether it's iTunes or Stitcher, and also rate and comment the podcast. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, we're going to get into our three now in just a little bit. As I said, Rashid Bailey will be the interview. We're going to go through some of the roster battles in our enemy intel section this week instead of there's no need to preview the Jets. We're going to do that in a couple of weeks when exactly. the Eagles play them in a the regular season. We'll just do some of the key battles to watch on Thursday night. We're also going to do, for our game time segment, some uh, season predictions. Who's going to make the playoffs? Who's going to advance to the Super Bowl? Are we are we going that far? With we'll go that far. Who's we'll going to win far. the NFC West? Who's going to win the <laughs> NFC West? As Chris Stevens put it so eloquently. And uh, some good questions in our mailing and in segment. So uh, we will save that for last. Uh, but first up, as always, three and out. One, two, three, three. Three is a magic number. Three. Three. Now it's time for three and out. Well, we're still waiting to find out who the third member of the podcast is. That's right. Today, so obviously we have TBA. our two men behind the scenes, but... Originally, it was three and out because you have three co-hosts, three points of view on the game. Right now, it's just Fran and I. So, Fran, why don't we just You're get stuck her? with us. Yes. 
Stuck in the middle with you. Yes. Stuck in the middle with dudes. <laughs> uh, I put it out there just to beat you guys to the punch. Uh, but yeah, no. So it's, uh, it's just the two of us. But there's a lot to talk about from, uh, from Saturday. to talk about. Uh, I will start. I will take the offensive side of football. Sure, why not? I take the low hanging fruit as always because you you've gone through the tape. Okay. Yes. I'm I'm not gonna be diving into the all twenty two. I will edit your eagle eye piece later on this evening. Again, this is a uh, Monday afternoon as we're taping this. So by the time you download this, you'll probably have already scoured and enjoyed the all, so. the eagle eye piece. Certainly. Uh, I want to start with the offense. The biggest thing, obviously, everyone's going to focus on Sam Bradford, and rightfully so with his ten for ten performance, three touchdown passes was brilliant in the pocket, you know, took that shot on the Trey Burton touchdown pass, but got right back up. I liked I personally really enjoyed the little fist pump fist he bump. gave. Oh yeah. That was good. Yeah. That was great. Uh get the, the heart pumping a little bit. The uh touch pass uh on the wheel route to Darren Sproles, a thing of beauty. But it's just amazing to me that you have all these new pieces in place from Bradford at quarterback. You go to running back where you have DeMarco Murray, Ryan Matthews. You have receiver, you have Nelson Aguilar in the mix. Most of the other guys are the same. You know, tight end Trey Burton is working in there with Zach Ertz's injury. Two starting new offensive linemen, Alan Barber and Andrew Gardner. Even though there's all these new pieces, this offense has been running seamless, efficient. It's been the most dynamic offense in the league this preseason. No questions asked. Over 39 points per game. They lead the league in yards I mean, just across the board, it's, they've been flat-out dominant. And it's just amazing to me that they've been able to do this despite all the changes. And you might say, well, some of it's the backups. True, but you look at that game on Saturday night against the Packers, the Eagles led 25 nothing at the end of the first quarter, and that's against Green Bay's first-team defense. They're on their way to a 100-burger. I mean, it's, you know, again, you want to keep things in context because it's preseason yes. and it's important still. The fact they were out there and executing the way they were, Bradford had you know three drives, the most that he's had this preseason. He's only had four drives, and all have resulted in touchdowns. But still, he hasn't had that much game action. Just how quickly that this team has been able to gel together to me has been simply remarkable. Well, it's it's funny you say that because a couple weeks ago, uh, Bill Davis had a press conference and he talked about uh, the same thing on the defensive side. How they have it, they've had a number of new pieces. And he talked about when they first were putting the system in a couple of years ago, when Chip Kelly first got here and they were putting in new systems on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. The staff wanted to make the scheme as coachable as possible so that when they brought new guys in, it was really easy to teach them all the new terminology and all the new schemes. And it seems that that's the way it is on the offensive side of the ball too, where uh, you see all these new pieces in the backfield, out wide, up front, and at quarterback, and they're able to still keep going, keep chugging along, and produce at a very high rate. I mean, but it all starts with the quarterback. Absolutely. It absolutely comes down to Sam Bradford getting the job done, running the offense. I love the way the running game was integrated in there. Yep. You have all three of the backs getting touches early and often throughout the course of the first quarter there. You know, DeMarco Murray, Ryan Matthews, Darren Sproles, whether it's on the ground, through the air. It's you don't know who you're defending at any given time. The, guy, the Eagles can just rotate guys, roll guys in and out seamlessly with no problem. It's it's just going to make it that much easier on the corner because all right if you want to sell it to stop the running game, well who are you going to stop on the perimeter? You right. got Jordan Matthews. You're going to have Zach Ertz. You have Brent Selleck who made an impact. Trey Burton stepped up this preseason. You know Nelson Aguilar. I mean, it just goes on and on and on, and it's it's remarkable just to see how quickly it has all come together for them. Well, and that's the beauty of the Eagles' passing game is that uh, it really it comes down to concepts, and it doesn't matter 
who is lined up where or uh, you know, not just, you know, obviously who is in those spots, but then where they're lining up. It could be that they're running a three-man concept and there's a flat route involved. It could be a tight end in the line of scrimmage. It could be a third slot receiver. It could be a back out of the backfield. Whoever it is, it's still, you know, they're running all these these very similar uh, concepts, play in, play out, from different looks with different personnel groupings. It just makes it hard to stop defensively. But offensively, hey, you just know it is the same. This is the same concept for the quarterback. They know, okay, here's my first read, here's my second read, here's my third read. Uh, and it's just really fun to watch. It's also amazing how the offensive line, which was much maligned early in the offseason. A lot of people questioned the decision to you know, release Evan Mathis, an all-pro left guard. They already parted ways with Todd Harriman's. You obviously have your three building blocks, the guys who are locked in, Peters, Kelsey, and Lane Johnson. But this was an offensive line that dealt with injuries last season which in some ways you might want to consider, consider a silver lining because you saw guys like Andrew Gardner and you know, Matt Tobin, these guys start, were able to get some game experience that otherwise they might not have been able to. But still, you're trying to replicate what you had back in 2013 when you had the same five guys for all 17 games, including the, the postseason. Uh, but so far, Barber's done a phenomenal job at left guard. Andrew Gardner, I think, is much more athletic than fans and analysts want to give him credit for. He's filled in nicely there, right guard. He's definitely taking the next step. It, you know, it's this line has quietly come together, even though there were a lot of questions about it overall going into this training camp. Yeah, and I think there's still questions about the depth, and they've talked about it after every single game. Certainly, uh, I've talked about you know there's too much pressure up front, or there's uh, there's too much penetration in the run game. But those starting five, I mean, all five of those guys have played at a high level. Uh, Alan Barber's moving people up front. They've been consistently uh, keeping a good pocket for the quarterback, whoever's back there, whether it's Sam or whether it's Mark Sanchez. So uh, you have to be happy with how that starting five is played up front. I would say if you looked at most teams, the depth is going to be a oh, question yeah. mark. You're, you, can't have, you can't have depth at every position. No. You know, they've got great depth at a number of different pl- places this year. And if you look to where this team looked like uh, two years ago when Chip Kelly first got here, I mean, it's night and day in terms of the depth at each position and, uh, and what they're looking at. You can't have depth everywhere. You've got – great players that are going to be cut over the next couple of weeks and uh it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out from your point of view from a scouting standpoint what's the most important position to have depth at on the entire well, team you know it's, it's funny it's funny because on, on, on the entire team yeah i mean it's funny because uh last year we said oh they've got they've got great depth at so many different positions you know receiver and uh you know we felt good at about a number of different spots and the one the couple of spots that we were like eh, we're not we're not sure inside linebacker and offensive line and both of those were put to the test last year you saw the ups and downs in the o-line the guys were coming in coming out uh i thought some of the young guys fared well you saw some good things from david mulk you saw some you know some good things from gardner uh you saw some things good things from tobin as well before he got hurt um but then you look at inside linebacker and now you've got those guys that have all been able to come in you knew coming into the year that you could rely on emmanuel Acho. we saw some good things uh from Najee good two years ago uh before he got hurt so it's interesting how you could say, oh, well, you know, what are the, what are the most important positions? Every position is important because once you lose that one guy, you, get exposed. Front, you can get exposed. You That's get the exposed thing about quickly. this league. So uh, ideally, you want depth everywhere. I think ideally what this team wants is they want to bring, just like on the defensive line where at any point you could see uh, of those three guys, Fletcher Cox, Sed Thornton, and Benny Logan, you might see Bo Allen in there with with Sed and Fletcher. You might see Taylor Hart in with Fletcher and Benny. You know they're going to rotate guys in. You know at will at all these different positions. I think that's the the plan. So defense, defense. That's, that's my that's my salvo on the yeah. offense. Uh, again, you know, phenomenal performance against Green Bay. 
but just how quickly that that unit has gelled together yeah has been uh probably the most eye-opening thing for me i would say yeah and the, and the defense has gelled together really really well you look at uh you know obviously up front it's going to be a broken record with me the, the these three guys up front uh and then the guys coming chicka, in behind chicka, them chicka, as well chicka, chicka, chicka. That's not broken. Well, maybe it, I mean I'm just scratch. I was scratched. That was a scratch record there. Look, yes. he's trying to do live drop. Trying to do live I'm drop. trying to do the live drop true. for you. Yes, you, you set take, the bar very really high last. Well, week. that's what you did last Pushing week. Pushing the chips in. That's right. <laughs> uh, so that's good. That's good by you. Um, but no, I mean you, you know you look at uh, the defensive line and the, and the talent they, they they've got up front. That that goes without saying. And then you look at what the thing that impressed me this week was. You look at some of those backups of the outside linebacker. You look at Vinnie Curry. Uh, you look at Brad Jones, who has had been has been cross trained inside and outside. I thought Brandon Graham had a really good game against the run. So I think if if you bring those guys along and you can get to the point where they're able to bring in Jones, where they're able to bring in Vinnie Curry, where you know we can imagine if it's going to be Kiko that could rotate outside or Kendricks that will rotate outside at times in certain packages. Uh, if they're able to do that, I think that they can do some of the same things they did a year ago, where you had Trent Cole and Connor Barwin as your bookends and you're able to rotate Brandon Graham in at will and. Uh, and get those guys some breathers. But uh, in the secondary, I thought they were sound again. Walter Thurman with the pick six with some pressure up front. Uh, really excited just about this unit overall. I mean, there's, I'm really anxious to see Kiko in game mm-hmm. action, whether it'll be this week or whether it'll be week one. We, um, we were debating this on the postgame show, Ike Reese and I, and Ike was like, there's just no reason to put him out there. No reason. It's, you know, I was trying to say, look, the guys haven't played football in That's over the thing. a year, right. full season. Yeah. Do you at least just give them – a handful of snaps, give them a series, just to at least know what it feels like again. And Ike's like, look who's going to be up front. You're not going to have any of the starters. You're but not going to have the guy alongside you that you will. Yeah. It's just none of the guys that you're going to be playing with in a regular season game are going to be out there with. You. I don't think if they do sit him, though, that that would be for that reason. Because It's one thing if it's like Green Bay this past week where it's Aaron Rodgers and he's being he has to be protected by an offensive line. He has to be protected by a running game. If he doesn't have those guys, that's going to affect him and you're putting him in harm's way. I don't know that if it's uh, if it's Bo Allen, Brandon Barron, Taylor Hart in front of uh, Kiko Alonso this week that that would be a, a, a huge factor no, in him playing that's true. or not. So I think if he's gonna if he's ready, I, th- I would imagine he'll play. And if he's not, then he won't play. I mean, I, I think it's kind of cut and dry. I would imagine that that's how they'll they'll treat it. But uh, it'll be interesting. I, I'm I'm really excited to see him play whenever it is, whether it's this yeah. week or uh, against Atlanta. Would you say? And this is something that I've had a conversation with about with a couple different people. When's the last time you were this excited, this optimistic going into a regular season? And a couple of people have told me it's 2004. And it's like, you're cautious. 2004? Well, it was. Wow, man. I mean, what year did you go into where, and I well, agree optimi- to an extent. Excited for what, though? For, for Super Bowl? No, just the optimism going into the season that you felt like they Chip's could. first year? Chip's first year was pretty. I, I don't want to say the, yeah. the dreaded words, but there was Dream a team. team. Yeah. I know. No, I was thinking the same thing too. Thanks, Brian. I, hey, look, I was the first member of the dream team. I got here first day wow. of training camp, the day before <laughs> so uh, those guys were signed. I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> Fran's the last guy holding down the fort the dream team. And and Fran, quite honestly, you produced more than some of those acquisitions. So, but I mean, I would think that that year there was a lot of excitement. The Chip Kelly's first year, we come out and we played the Washington Redskins on Monday Night Football. That was there was a lot of excitement. That's, that two thousand ten year. I mean, I know it wasn't expected with Michael Vick, but we end up making it to the playoffs. Well, you started that, that you were Kevin Cobb. Yeah, right, right, right. That's right, the right. thing. So that year going into the it, the anticipation was high, but I don't know if it was as high as two thousand four, no, two thousand twelve. No. I mean, because I was having this conversation 11, with uh, Rob Babick, who uh, 
longtime graphic designer, does work for the Eagles. Bookmobile. And yes, does a bo- he's done the bookmobile designs. And he was just like, he just goes back to T.O., that preseason game against Baltimore. And it's like, you just that year you knew. This year, to me, you don't know at this point. But it's just the fact that there are so many changes this offseason. That you're that it's all so far everything has worked every button that Chip Kelly has pushed has been the right one. I think where you get that that, that comparison 2004 where you see To scoring on an 81 yard touchdown first first preseason game uh-huh. is that we got a glimpse in the pack in the Packers game of what this offense can be. Yeah, it's now what is it going to be through 16 games? Correct. You want to see it for a full 60 minutes of, against. BT dropping knowledge. He's trying to put himself in there to be the. He third wants co-host. to be the third co-host, indeed. Chris Stevens is sitting here wringing his hands because he's now he's going to take a step up into BT's role. Yeah. BT can slide in. Chris can't wait because he's like <laughs> now he gets to touch the wheels of steel and get to the yep, words. That's right. <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for three and out. It's time to welcome in wide receiver Rashid Bailey, the subject of this week's the interview. And now it's time for what you've all been waiting for. The interview. Wide receiver Rashid Bailey, the subject of this week's The Interview on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Rashid, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, how you doing? Nice to be here. You know, this is a very interesting week. It's a fourth preseason game. What does it mean for you going into this week, knowing that you're going to get an extended amount of playing time? You don't know at this point if you'll start or not, but with most of the starters out for the final game, what is it going to mean for you? I mean, it's going to mean a lot to me, but at the same time, I'm treating like a regular game. It's just a game. You know, I can't, you know, get too high, get too low. It's all about just going out there and just doing your job. You know, that's what I'm looking forward to. Richie, we wanted to bring you in here probably because you've met our intern, Chris Stevens. Yeah. Helps produce the show. And uh, he went against you while you were at Del Val. And Chris, unfortunately, didn't have the best of games on that day. <laughs> Do you recall? You recognized Chris when you came in here. Of course. So, uh, even though he probably was down on the ground most of the time when, <laughs> when trying to cover you. But uh, what do you recall about that game in particular? Only half the time. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect for this guy, man. We trained in the summertime. You know, we, we went up against each other and things like that. And, you know, he told me some things. I told him some things. And it was a great experience. You know, I remember that game. I think I broke a couple of records that game. And I, I, I scored four times. Four touchdowns, okay. 264, uh, I think it was. I think it was like 252 um, yards. I think I broke that record. Um, <laughs> catches in the game, I think. I, I'm not sure. But it, it was a great experience, though, you know, not just, you know, going against him, but just the experience of just doing things I never see myself doing out there on the football field. And it was, you know, just, just working out. So it was just having the opportunity to go against Chris, which yeah. brought out the best out of you. Yeah, it was, so it, was definitely, it was definitely one of those moments where I knew I had to go out there and just play football. And I wound up having a good game that game. It's it's tough because it's like for Chris's position, it's like after a game like that, you're supposed to be. Well, what am I supposed to do? At least he could say, "Rashid's in the NFL. Yeah, Rashid's got a chance to make the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, at least that's got to make it a little bit easier on you, Chris, to say. It de- it de- and he's taking it. He's, no, <laughs> it, it definitely is. Um, Rashid's always been a great player. I've had the opportunity to play against him um, every year in college, and he's a a true testament of hard work because you know sophomore year he wasn't even the number one receiver and and people don't know that about him that I feel like people probably think oh he was always you know the main guy there were others receivers who were considered better than him but you know he worked hard I saw him work hard and and man by his senior year he was bigger faster stronger and 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 he really made a name for himself but he worked hard to get here and 
and I have the utmost respect to him for that. Now, <laughs> <laughs> that with being, all that being that said, being said <laughs> you know, I saw that transition coming. Okay, okay, it didn't go my way. You know, a couple nice balls. He might have got away with a few elbows here and there. <laughs> the wind was blowing too. You know? That was crazy. Is it is it true that other teammates of yours, Chris, were saying, "Oh man, Rasheed, nice route, nice job out there." They Meanwhile, you're like you're turning around, spun in a million different directions, kind of like, "Where's my help?" And their guys are like sitting there, like, "Oh, nice, nice, nice job, Rasheed, great job." I was a little sour. The game plan was was for me to shadow him and play him man to man. So I didn't really have much help, but yeah, they were overly friendly. I felt like to him during the game. Yeah, they were. Yeah. I mean, I think it was um. <laughs> Like he was playing cover two or something. I ran a double move, and the guy came over. He was just like, oh, my God, man, that was a great route. And I, and I just scored on him. That would be Dante Thomas. <laughs> Dante Thomas, everybody. Chris, you are not sour. <laughs> not one iota about what happened then. What was it like in the pre-draft process for you, Sheed, knowing that the Eagles had interest in you? you know, can you explain exactly how that all took place and then how did you becoming a Philadelphia Eagle come to fruition? I mean, it was tough. You know, the process was was long. It was it was definitely hard. Um, I remember when they came and they came to see me, and during the season, about three teams came to see me, and you know, it, it was tough. And you know, I was I was fighting an uphill battle, and I've been fighting an uphill battle ever since I've been here. And I'm just, mm-hmm. you know, every chance I get is all about can I, you know, keep surprising them by my play? Can I keep doing those things consistently to make them keep looking at me and not just, you know, just peeking over at me? And, you know, the things I did in college and the things that I did to prepare, you know, I probably didn't have the best numbers coming out, you know, and things like that. And, you know, combine-wise, you know, pro day. But, you know, they saw something in me. They gave me an opportunity on, you know, after, you know, the draft. And, and you know, I'm here now. And I'm here to, you know, keep proving myself and to keep doing what I'm doing. Rashid, you're a Roxborough native here in Philly. What does it mean to, you know, grow up in the city, be a fan of the team, and now actually play for the Eagles? Well, first and foremost, um, I love this city. This this city is amazing. You know, you know, it's, it's, it was tough growing up here, but now I'm starting to see the city from a whole different side. I'm starting to see how much these fans really love this game, and the most the respect and the love and the support that I'm getting. You know, you know, you get some negative things, but at the same time, it's mostly love. And I love this city for doing that and being behind me and, and you know rooting for me. It's an amazing feeling. How many family members do you have calling you, checking in on you? Is everyone pretty much, you know, it's around tough. the area? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It gets tough sometimes. And, you, you know, you're trying to make everybody happy, but you can't. And I've realized throughout my journey that, you know, you have to look forward. And you have to keep looking forward. And you have to block certain things out. You know, I've been doing a great job of blocking things out because I'm on a mission. My purpose is to play this game. My purpose is to affect people. And the more that I can keep playing this game, the more I can affect people. And I'm happy to, you know, still be here and, you know, to keep motivating people to, you know, do better at what they're doing, even if it's just a regular job. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just – I want to be that guy to give hope. And, you know, I'm doing a good job right now, and I hope I can continue. You talk to players. I've talked to many players over the years, and they'll say, oh, I don't read the media clippings. I don't watch the highlights. You know, I don't listen to sports talk radio. Is it more difficult because – all your family and friends are here in the city and they're listening to 
94 WIP. They're watching Comcast Sportsnet. They're checking out PhiladelphiaEagles.com, and they're like, hey, Rashid, they're saying this about you. Hey, here's what they said about you on the broadcast. Yeah, I get a lot of that. I get a lot of, you know, what they say on TV, you know, what people are tweeting about. You know, our media is very big here. Mm -hmm. You know, you got, you know, some of my friends and family members responding to things on, you know, Twitter or, you know, it's tough. But I have to block those things out, and I've been doing a great job because I've realized nobody can't help me while I'm in here. Only I can do what I have to do to put myself in that position to make this team or the practice squad or whatever that may be. And, you know, I'm just, you know, here to just keep going harder. What was it like for you when you had the open practices? That was your first taste of being able to play at Lincoln Financial Field as someone who was a fan to finally be the the player that the fans are cheering for instead. Um, speechless. I was, you know, I got out there and, you know, at, for, that, for, for a second, I felt myself looking up instead of looking down. And I remember when I was in the, you know, in that stadium one day and, you know, watching a game, I think it was a Redskins game, and I was sitting next to my friend, and I said, man, I can play here. I can play this game. And slowly but surely, <laughs> I'm looking up and I'm playing it. And, you know, it's a true testament. It's a true, it's a true story. And, you know, like he said earlier, you know, I've worked hard for this. And I'm not saying I deserve this, but I'm saying I've worked hard. And if God keeps, you know, blessing me with this opportunity, I won't let him down. How old were you when you came to that game? Do you recall? It was about two years ago. So you were in college. You were I at Del Val. I was in. The, I was at Del Val. And at the time, you would say that dream to friends and family. Would they be like, "Come on, Sheed, You know, you're at Del Val. Look at all the factories they're producing. Look at all the D1 schools that are producing top flight talent." Did you have a lot of people kind of, uh, you know, almost telling you no when all you've been saying is, I can, I can, I can? That was one thing I never did. I never said I was going to the NFL. Never. I only said to one person. I had a close friend that I always told all my things to, but I would never post on Twitter. I would mm -hmm. never post on Instagram or on any of those things. Yeah. I was never that type of player, that type of person who says, you know, league bound or NFL and stuff like that. All those things were just kept mm -hmm. in my head and just said, okay, if it happens – it's going to happen. And, you know, I never held myself to expectations so high like that. Because once you set expectations so high like that and it don't happen, leave yourself upset. So that's why every single game I go out there and I don't expect anything. I just I just go out there and just play football. So Where, where's that mindset come from? Growing up here in Philadelphia, going to college, seeing different, you know, wanting to be different, you know, seeing so many things happen throughout my life and, you know, I've matured so much since I went to college and, you know, I became a man and things like that. And I, I, I listen. I don't just talk. I listen to hear what people say and I analyze different things and situations. And I say, OK, how can I put myself in a better situation And when they didn't? I have to keep doing those things. OK, what didn't that receiver do to make himself great? What didn't that quarterback do to make that perfect read? So I got to keep channeling myself to be smarter, to be a better person and to keep leading and to do what I do best, play football. Are there receivers in the locker room that you've latched onto, Or maybe not just receivers, veterans. There are so many here on this team that you've kind of followed in their footsteps to say, I need to emulate this guy if I want to be in the NFL. Of course, you get a lot of you know people that you talk to and stuff like that. But the one person I can honestly say that I truly do emulate, number 81, Jordan Matthews. I mean, that guy. He's a second-year player. It's amazing. He's how a second-year player, and he feels like he's been in the league for a long time. And that guy, 
he really pushes for me. He really pushes me to be better. And I watch him and I analyze him. And he's always trying to make me better. And, I mean, he always get, he, he even when I'm down, he gives me confidence. Sheed, you good, you good. Do what you do best. Catch the ball. And, you know, he always bringing me up, bringing me up. And, you know, I follow after his footsteps. And I can honestly say that. And you have to follow before you lead. So, right now, I'm following. Who was that for you at DelVal, at Roxborough High? Who were those people before you that kind of were your mentors, the people who led the way for you, so to speak? You know, I had a bunch of guys, you know, especially, you know, in college. I had a group of guys where, you know, it was a receiver group, and I watched what they did. Like he said earlier, I mean, they were better than me. And it hurt. my It hurt. And I watched them. And I said, okay. What doesn't that receiver do? What doesn't that receiver do? And what doesn't he do? And I'm going to put it all inside of me, and I'm going to do it better. So that's what I did. And, you know, I, I was I was a competitor. I never wanted to lose. I never wanted to be that guy that was just a, a little speck in the corner. And that's why I fight so hard here. Because when I came here, it was like, okay, this local kid's coming in. Okay. And I had to keep proving myself. And that's what I love. I love being in that mouse in the corner. That you trap in the corner, but one day that that little that little mouse he gonna become a rat, and I ain't going nowhere. When you first got here, what was the adjustment like? Because offensive coordinator Pat Shermer has said throughout training camp, when she came first came here, eyes were wide. You know, you know he was just thrown into the offense, trying to learn like everyone else. Now you don't see him making any mental mistakes out there on the field. What was that initial transition like for you, and how did you get up to speed so quickly? Oh, it was tough. It was tough because I, I never, you know, experienced offense like this, that this tempo and the signals and stuff like that. And, you know, it was a big adjustment. But I slowed it down. I kept hanging around 81, Jordan Matthews, teaching mm. me, teaching me, learning, learning, learning. Do you, learning. like, nag him? Is it, like, one of those no. things, like, no? He, no, he's openly, like, like wants to help me. Okay. And, you know, I, I knew he was going to be that guy when I first signed with the Eagles because he was the first guy that tweeted me. Really? And said, welcome to the Eagles. Welcome to the family. And I knew since that day I can look to him whenever I needed help. Any consideration for any other team? Was there another team that, not that they can promise you a whole lot as a rookie yeah. for Asian, but was there any other of team? Of course there was other teams in the mix, but, yeah. you know, I'm here. I'm a Philadelphia Eagle right now. And that's all that matters right now. And I'm just here to, you know, take full advantage of my opportunities. First preseason game against the Indianapolis Colts, that one-handed grab. Can you take us through what it was like? Because I know a lot of that is just natural, God-given talent. Yeah. But at the same time, knowing that you don't know how many opportunities you're going to have in a certain game, that you got to make the most out of them, you have a chance to wow the coaches and the fans and everyone else alike, and you're able to do that with that amazing catch. I don't know. I mean, I just, you know, it's, it's something that you just you just keep doing things over and over again. And the one thing my niche is, is is catching the football. And the one thing I can honestly say is that I want to say on air right now, it's okay yeah. to be scared. It's okay to be scared because when I'm out there, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared that I'm going to fail. I'm scared that I'm not going to be good enough. So every opportunity I get out there, listen, I'm out there. I'm, I'm, I just want to make a play so bad because I don't want to fail. And I'm I'm just going to, you know, keep doing it. I don't know if that's really scared. I think it's just acknowledging that the 
the will to want not want to let your teammates down, not yeah. let yourself down, I think yeah. is greater than anything else, that you care that much about it. Yeah, I do. And I'm so passionate about this game. And, you know, to be here with my city and, you know, playing for the city, it makes me even more passionate because I can't let these fans down. They count on me. Sheed, final preseason game's coming up. What is this week like knowing that you've already seen some of the guys in your position group be released, guys like G.J. Kinney, Mike Johnson, some other guys, Josh Reese. What's it like knowing that that cut down to 53 is on the horizon? It's tough. Came in here yesterday, saw a couple guys going. Saw some templates on top, you know, the name going. In the locker room, yeah. It's tough. But I'm mad. I'm so mad. I just want to go out there and I just want to make a play so bad. And, you know, that's what keeps me going. You know, my anger, my, my – I just want to – I want to be the player that I know I can be. I don't want to see myself fail. So, you know, this game means a lot, and we'll see what happens. I hope fans tune in because I know a lot of fans will say, oh, this is the fourth preseason game, but you get to see guys like Showtime Sheet over here. It's on the line. It's on the line. A lot of jobs on the line. Sheet Bailey, wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. We're pulling for you. Hopefully, you know, sort of like can – we, can we put Chris out of corner, Chris Stevens out to uh, – <laughs> Play defensive back for the Jets uh, this weekend, and maybe you know a little four. I'm holding him this time. <laughs> <laughs> He's not off. scored. He didn't forget that. Well, I would have thought you would have done that after the third touchdown. Oh, right. you played it was only two. It was only two. It was, I think it was two. I think it was two, two on him. Two, two on fair him. Enough. Two on him. Fair enough. Uh, Rashid Bailey, thank you very much for joining us here as the interview on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Time to get ready for game day. It's time for enemy intel. Can I start humming a little frenemy intel? Yes. Frenemy intel. Can, frenemy intel. can I just say before we get into this segment, I, I didn't I was in the room for the uh for the interview this week. How quickly did Chris Stevens throw his teammates and coaches under the bus <laughs> to Rashid Bailey? Like it was like in an instant, he was giving up names. <laughs> like the the lights got hot, and Rashid Bailey was it's like, like the it was, interrogation. Yeah, room. it was an interrogation room. Police it, interrogation. All right, who was the accomplice? All right, it was Dante. No, no, it was like the police brought him in and said, "Hey, Chris, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. It was him. It was you know he indicted the guy before we even got into the." the if co- you were in the mafia, you'd be sleeping with the fishes. Like Stevens would be. He, they they'd ride him out and he'd be done. Oh man, what, what was the kid's name? Dante Thomas. Yeah, I remember. Still, it, I gave you another opportunity. Was to your brother? It was your brother, Brian? And name my brother. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I was thinking of when you're watching uh, an athlete do something amazing and you're just in awe. Did you guys see the highlight from the Little League World Series? I think it was actually the Pennsylvania team. Oh, the kid that hit the home the run. Kid hit the home run, yeah. and the pitcher just gives that look like, oh, wow. So I'm guessing that's probably it was, what. It was Chris Stevens. Yeah. And he'll I mean, wear a wire. He will wear a wire. He's bugged it, ladies and gentlemen. He's bugged. <laughs> oh, I I just feel bad for Chris Stevens' father, who's like, oh, my son works for the Eagles. <laughs> he helps out with the podcast, and let's listen to it. And it's just him. Just I thought he was going to take that, take that chin up. Nope. He, he really had a chance to take the bullet. You know, no. show some re- show some responsibility. <laughs> no, he finger pointing. There must oh, have been a two twenty five bus coming because he threw him right <laughs> under that bus. <laughs> oh, and it's it's tough because. It's like I, I've fought, I'm a father of two young boys, and it's like you know, you, you're thinking about when they're going to start having these kinds of events happen in their life. They're ups, they're down. Do you want to be so so proud of them? But it's like when they falter, are you going to be supportive of them? Uh, so, do you believe in take the honest road and tell your kid exactly how you feel, or do you? 
kind of prop him up. Oh, uh, you got you got to prop him up. Prop him you got well. No, I will say this. Let me say this. They have each of my boys have their own personality, so you got to work with them differently. Yeah, the same yeah, as a, yeah, coaching exactly. in the locker room. Well, I don't know if I mean we're getting off the topic, but which is fine. James, James Harrison. Oh yeah, I don't know if you saw the participation. I'm 100 in with James Harrison. I'm, I'm all. Oh, I'm, I'm the participation trophy thing. If, if I had the the bag to make the all in, like Fran did. Yep, all in. I mean, See I, you. I didn't. I didn't. We we grew up with first, second, third, and then everything else is. For me, okay. So I coached both of their little league teams, and we did participation trophies this year because they're they're seven and five. So to me, These it's kids them. Are eight and nine. They're a little it's, older. It's getting them to have fun, enjoy it, so they want to do. My job is to try to get them to want to do it next year. So to me, that's where I feel like now. If you're starting to get to ten, eleven, twelve, like little league, I would agree. Yes. At this point. Now there are parents who want to make it competitive at this level. It's like, look, the the kids are barely, you know, they're barely able to throw the ball. You're trying to teach them how to swing the bat for the first time, what have you. I just want them to have fun, so they want to come back and do it again next year. So they so they get hooked on it. I think if your it's kid, a drug. I think if your kid takes a liking and really wants to become good, yeah, then you're a little bit, you know, you wait to get a little older. But you can be more honest and say, "Hey, here's the things I think we should work on." Yet Certainly, yet. and there's but, times you do, and there's times where I would tell my try to point things out to my kids. And when you coach them, sometimes it's a harsh thing because they don't want to listen to you. But if you're casually with your kid and you know he's just not into X, Y, or Z, sport, certainly you just just let it go. Just, let him be his own, let own, be person. His own person. Exactly. You know? So I, I embrace it. But you know, I know Chris was telling me about his dad, and he uh, he harps on some of his uh, his tough moments, but he's always supporting him. Yeah, I know my dad would be. <laughs> it's like. If you weren't like flawless, it was like he was. Yeah, my, just like my dad been brutally honest. Yeah. Like you sucked out there. So. <laughs> but you could have been. You could have been three for four. You know, or you could have like, you know, rushed for ninety nine yards and then in a game and it would be like, well, you left the you left some meat on the bone, a la Joseph Randall and Demarco Murray. You know, it's like he would have been like that. All I know is I like butter. butter you like butter and I toast. Like, I like butter what? and jam on my toast. <laughs> I, I, I had a lot of great. Drops just made for Chris, and I don't know if he sabotaged the the mixer this week because all of a sudden the drops aren't working. But had had a, a sizzling bacon. The, it will make its way into uh, it'll, the it'll, final. It'll, edit. it'll find its way. All right, enemy intel, frenemy intel yes. here. Uh, let's. We're not going to look at the Jets from a you know matchup standpoint. Let's focus on you know the fifty three man roster, some of the position battles, some of the jobs that are still on the line. And Frank, we'll start with the quarterbacks. Matt Barkley is going to start. Figure see a lot of Tim Tebow, you know who's going to be the third quarterback. Uh, I feel like Matt Barkley has played well for the most part. I thought I would say his first preseason game against Indy was his strongest outing. I thought he was uh, hampered by some drops from his receivers in the last game. Yes, no question. Um, you know we all know that Tim Tebow brings something different. To me, it's almost like. I think they know what they have in Barkley, and I think he's shown steady progress and improvement since he was drafted. It's do you want another quarterback like that on the roster, or do you want someone like Tim Tebow who brings the rushing element and is a different style of sure. player? And that'll that'll be the interesting. Th- I mean, that's going to be what dictates the decision. You know, is what exactly do they want from that position? Will uh, I mean, look, if they want. A guy that's going to do the things that Tim Tebow does from a two-point conversion standpoint, from a short yardage standpoint. What did you uh, think of that, by the way? I thought it was great. You know, it's great because it gives you the ability to, uh, you know, to practice some things that if he's on the roster, you're going to be able to do. 
you're going to make Atlanta p- plan for it because if he's the, if he's on the team, you're going to have to plan for it. Um, you know, and I, I don't think you know. Look, the, the the failed conversions weren't on him. I mean, they didn't. Chip Kelly talked about it in his press conference today. Uh, they didn't get uh, a great push up front on the first one. Yep. And uh, the second one, the second one, the corner made a great play. It was the Malcolm Butler play from the from the Super Bowl. It was a very similar concept really? uh, where he was he jumped it and jumped the route. So okay. um, it was very you know very 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 similar play. Um, but it'll be interesting. What are the chances? And I'm just throwing this out there. What All are right. the chances that there are four that both guys make it? Because if you want yeah. a third quarterback, and Chip Kelly's always said Tim Tebow is a quarterback, but if you want a guy that's going to bring to the roster what Tim Tebow does, okay, and you also want a guy that you're going to you know potentially groom you know for a quarterback you know moving forward, do you also keep Barkley too? I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not saying I agree or no. disagree, but I just feel like you have Sanchez. It's true. In place. Yes, no question. And you're already fighting just to you know you're going to if you're going to act keep Tebow, I assume you're going to activate him on game days. Right. That's the and that's the thing. So now, I mean, are you going to have all three quarterbacks active on game day. Uh, you're taking away from special teams, and there are a lot of special teams. You know, Fran, you and I have talked about this. You know, off air that there are a lot of special teams reps that the team has to make up for. I was I was wondering about that coming into today. Uh, I actually wrote down. He's got a sheet. He so has I wrote a sheet. down. Well, because you've got listen to the guys that, and everyone talks about how great the special teams were a year ago, and obviously they were outstanding, yes. and they've been very good this preseason. And they've been very, very good, very, in preseason. very good. I think but, they've been playing at a great level this yes. preseason, outstanding, I mean, especially where people have the level of expecting what it was going to be last year. And Mike Mayock made a great point where he said, just because they don't have the results of what they had last year, doesn't mean they're not going to be playing sure, at the same no level. Question. Correct, but they're still Correct. they're still getting great results, and out of guys that we just haven't, you know, Kenyon Barner has been playing great. But I, I think that people automatically just assume. Because Dave Phipps back, because you have guys like Chris Maragos and Brian Brayman and Chris Brzezinski and Trey Burton, guys that were big impact special teamers that last year, that, okay, now we're going to be fine. But they've got to replace a lot of snaps from last yeah. year. I mean, you lose Brandon Boykin, you lose James Casey, you lose Brandon Graham, because you've got to imagine now that he's starting that he's not going to play a ton of snaps on special teams. Jeff Mail, if he doesn't make the team, you lose all those special team snaps. Brad Smith. Casey Matthews, Brad Smith, Chris Polk. I mean, those are all guys that were – uh, they made plays in coverage. They made plays in the return game. They made plays, uh, you know, in, in terms of blocking for the returns. Now you bring in a Brad Jones. You bring in Jordan Hicks, who's now become a, a core special teamer. Starts on all four units. Uh, Ajiro Tutu is obvi- obviously going to play a big role. Uh, Eric Rowe has uh, really gotten better each and every week. So uh, will guys like uh, Eric Tomlinson? Can Eric Tomlinson make the team? Because you lose, you do lose a couple of those big guys. You know, you lose the Casey Matthews. You lose Graham. You lose Casey. So they kind of they have some space there for another big to kind of come in and make an impact on special teams. Jerome Couplin, Ed Reynolds, Marcus Smith, you know, we know Marcus Smith, he started uh, all four special teams in that first game against Indianapolis, but uh, if he's healthy, will he be able to have an impact? It's going to be interesting to see. I'm I'm really anxious to see how that pans out. Uh sticking with special teams, uh running back Kenyon Barner, Raheem Mostert. Do the yeah. Eagles keep four to begin with? I, me, think, I think they keep four. I think they keep four, and I think Barner is the leader at this point. You think so? It'll be interesting. I you I could go either way. Really? I, yeah, I could go either way. Because here's the thing. And okay. Barner, we both really, really, really like Barner, especially as a guy, one of the best guys we've met. Even, hashtag even better guy. But, um, And obviously he brings value as a returner, but the Eagles have a lot of guys that can return. So I don't think you can bring him on just to be a returner. He's got to be able to – 
help in other ways. I think that him and Mostert have both made uh, some good plays as a running back. Uh, I think that Mostert has looked a little bit better, I would say, in the coverage aspect of special teams. He's played as a okay. gunner. Uh, I thought he had some good reps on uh, on Saturday night against Green Bay. He showed uh, one good rep I can remember from Indianapolis actually, where he helped force that muff punt that they had down in their own zone, down in their own red zone. Um, you know, I, it I would say it's a toss up right now. I'm really that's going to be the biggest battle to me uh, on on Thursday night. I probably lean more toward Barner based on the flash plays he's made, sure. returning and on offense. Yeah. That's, but here's what's crazy is that most of returns the opening kickoff. Oh yeah, sixty seven yards. Of course. So it's like. You know, you expect a guy to really take control of a, a position, and then a guy underneath of him makes right. a splash play, and it's, mm-hmm. it, it makes it hard to really, you know, really evaluate who you like. Yeah, no quite. I, I think I, I think it's a lot closer than people. A lot of people, I think, fans would say, "Oh, it's definitely going to be Barner. No question, it'll be Barner." Yeah. I think it's a lot closer than and, fans. And would we think. talked about in the broadcast where he was actually playing all the units, right? Not just sure. doing his kick, his punt return duty. So True. it was something to evaluate. You know, how did he fare in terms of playing kickoff coverage, right. kickoff returns, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. That's a good point there by Fran and uh, BT. A wide receiver, Miles Austin, against, you know, figure Jeff Mail or Rashid Bailey. Uh, I think Austin's in. To me, I think it's six at this point. You know, it's going to be – I'm looking at Jared Tutu who's making it primarily special teams guy. A lot sure. of people will think, oh, you know, you know. I think he's a receiver. No question. No he's question he's a special yep, teams to me. guy. Yep. Um, you're going to have – Riley Cooper, Josh Huff, Nelson Aguilar, Jordan Matthews. I think Miles Austin is in there, in yeah. my estimation. And the question will be, because uh, they kept six last year, the question will be, because those last two guys were met, the, the, there was two guys that you had on the back end, and those last four, the last two guys were Jeff Mail and Brad Smith. Both guys played special teams. Austin yeah. hasn't played any special teams. That is uh, something uh, to consider. That's going to come into consideration, I would think. Yeah. Uh, offensive line. See, we're we're pretty much we figure even though the coaches won't say it, the starting five is set. Yeah, I would think so. It's really the backup spots at this point. Uh, does Dennis Kelly make it over? You know, Julian Vandervelde. Right. Yeah, I mean, you've got Tobin who is a tackle guard. You got David Malk who can snap, and you know, and you know he can come in and uh, and give you serviceable snaps as a center. Um, did yeah. you hear the praise that Chip Kelly heaped upon Dennis Kelly? Today? I did. I mean, he's a Dennis Kelly guy. He is a Dennis Kelly guy. No question. To me, it was like, all right. <laughs> but I yeah. I mean, I mean, the question will be: Is it eight or nine guys? Yes. Up front on the offensive line, and if it's eight, who is the eighth? Is it a tackle guard? Is it is it Dennis Kelly, or is it going to be a guard center and Julian Vanderbilt? Mm-hmm. And then if it's going to be a ninth, is it going to be because the ninth guy never active, so it's going to be a guy that's not going to play, uh, you know, barring injury. Is it going to be one of the young guys? Is it going to be Malcolm Bunch? Is it going to be Brett Boyko? Uh, Brett Boyko? Is it going to be Josh Andrews? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the question there. I would lean toward Malcolm Bunch. I would. Say. I would lean towards Malcolm Bunch as well. All right, let's go to the defensive side of the football. Outside linebacker, you know, we talk about who's going to be that third guy. Does Daheem Watkins possibly slide in? Let's throw it out there over Marcus Smith. I mean, they haven't promised anything. You know, I, and I would say like if they say, "Oh yeah, Mark, I mean they haven't promised it," so you have to talk about it. Um, I think Watkins has flashed. I, I think he's made some plays. Now, has he been enough where I'd be like, "All right, yeah, he's definitely gonna make the team." No, uh, not at this point. But still got one game to play. Is he on par with Chris McCoy from a couple years ago? Chris McCoy, who everyone was like, That's he has right. to make everyone the roster. Chris McCoy. Every year there's yeah. the guy. Oh yeah. How did he not make the team last year? It was Henry, uh, Henry Josie. Josie. Yep. 
It was Chris McCoy. A McDuffie favorite. It was uh, <laughs> it was Chris McCoy a couple of years ago, and you know is not. I'm not saying they're gonna. I be, think McCoy made more plays. Okay, that's uh, that's I the point. McCoy, I'm I think at. McCoy made yes. more plays than Watkins has, but I and Watkins has been a backup. I think on two or three of the units on the second string on special teams. So okay, uh, he's shown an ability to you know to con- to contribute there. Um, it'll be interesting to watch with with Watkins. I think inside linebacker. I guess the question would be: Do you keep five? If I'm I'm factoring the big three. Right. Kiko, D'Amico, Michael Kendricks. And Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks is your four. Does Najee good? Right. It depends on if you factor. Now they kept, uh, I believe the number was nine linebackers last year. They kept yeah. well, four uh, inside. They, it was four inside and five outside. If you fa- Depending on how you count Brad Jones, because I think we would both say that Brad Jones is the is that next guy, he's I would think. Sw- he's like the primary. I think he's the number three outside Right. And he's a course rush teamer, so he's going to be active on game yes. day. Yes. So... Uh, he can do both. I think that's do the both. best thing about him is he no can do question. both. No question. So if uh, if Jones is on and you count him inside, that gives you five inside linebackers. If you've got the two stars at outside, you've got Brayman who's on the team, yep. that gives you eight. So now you've got Marcus Smith, you've got Taheem Watkins, you've got Najee Good. Uh, you know, they're, they're the guy, these are the guys that are going to compete for that you know, one, maybe two jobs. Let's go to corner, and you figure Byron Maxwell, Nolan Carroll, they're set. You got Eric Rose in there. After that, is it EJ Biggers, Jalen Watkins? And you figure they'll probably keep five. So, you know, does Denzel Rice slide in there? You know. Yeah. I mean, it was nine DBs a year ago. It was five corners and four safeties. So, uh, just coming, you know, coming out of camp. You know, Randall um, Evans, the you know six round pick. Right. I would say that Watkins and Biggers are the are the two a corner. And then you have guys that you have Randall Evans, you've got Denzel Rice competing there as well. Uh, I mean, at safety it'll be a, it'll be a competition. You've got Coupling, Ed yeah. Reynolds. I mean, all both those guys I think are fighting for that one job. Both are playing uh, on special teams, you know, in all four units. So that's going to be interesting. That's I mean, other than other than running back, I think secondary is the one that I'm going to be paying the, the most, most attention, attention to on okay. Thursday. It's interesting because Chip won't say who the third safety is. That's right. like. Now you figure Maragos is special teams. Yeah, I think I think Maragos has played pretty well on defense as well. But I think the, in terms not, of I'm just saying that it's right. not to the point you know that Maragos is making. You know Maragos is making it, but whether or not he's the third long term safety, yes. right? I know, yeah. Krasinski, I don't want to say if he's a lock or not, but you figure special teams guy. Yeah, again, very right. very good in special Absolutely. teams. Absolutely. So so that would be the battle to watch. So that's gonna do it for frenemy intel here. Let's transition now to game time. Get out your scorecards. It's game time. It's time for the fun and games portion of the Eagles Insider Podcast. It's time to do predictions. No reason to look at who's going to lead the team in receiving against the New York Jets or who will have the most sacks. Sure. It's time Season to long predictions. look ahead into the crystal ball and find out who will emerge and make it to the postseason. Yes. We we did this last year, but that audio was just obliterated due to technical I'm sure. failure. So of course. Uh failures of a different these. kind. It yes, was definitely correct. It was definitely deleted due to failures. We can't not. blame these on the peanut butter crackers. Oh, this year. What was my worst We all had Tampa Bay uh, as a sneaky oh, playoff team Lord. when they ended up yeah. number one pick. So I think Minnesota I think Bo had Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota wasn't too far off. They weren't too bad. They were yeah, they weren't too far off. Minnesota was a year early. And that was before we knew about Adrian Peterson, Peterson right, missing. Right. Yeah, sure. 
Uh, I think I had Cleveland making the playoffs last yeah. year. I want to say. Yeah. yeah. You bought into Manziel. Yeah. Mm, oh yeah. <laughs> no. Chris yeah. Stevens shaking his head. Yeah. Uh, why don't we start with? The NFC West on our sheet it says <laughs> NFC West. We, so we had we have Chris Stevens put together these topics and I you know we said all right well who's going to win divisions who's going to you know look win the MVP he put down NFC East and then he put down NFC West and then that's it it ended. <laughs> uh, so thank you. <laughs> do you want to start with AFC just because I think yeah let's go point. AFC let's speed we'll speed through these and right. kind of uh, get through them real quick. All right my division winners yes I still think the Patriots are the, I, the I agree yep AFC East I think it's going to be much more interesting. And at this point, you know, Brady could be placed back into the NFL, could be out there week one. Yep. Don't know at this point. But Until someone beats them, you got to I'm yeah, going with New England. It's fine. In the North, I really like the Bengals this year to come out. Mm. Um, a lot of weapons on offense, strong offensive line. Andy Dalton is, is Andy Dalton. think they're stronger with the D-line. think Geno Atkins is going to bounce back. I like the Bengals there to win the North. Yeah, I I really struggle between the the Ravens and the Bengals. I, the Ravens are always that team where you're like, eh, like I don't know, this could be the year they fall off, but then they always find a way to win ten games. So yeah, um, I would say Bengals will win, but Baltimore I think might go farther in the playoffs. You know, sneak in as a wild card and then go to Cincinnati and, Pittsburgh, and beat them in Cincinnati. Pittsburgh's going to be interesting too. Pittsburgh have, yeah. is going to have one of the most explosive offenses. You just worry about the defense is the only. That's thing. the question. That's the thing with that, which you're not used to saying with the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, let's go out west. I still think Denver, even though I think this is going to be a much tougher division. It's going to yeah. be tougher sledding this year. I still think Denver pulls it out. I think the the Chiefs would be the 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 chief rival to them in terms of uh, uh, taking over that division. You know, you've got Jeremy Macklin. You add to that offense uh, another year now in Andy Reid's system. The defense is always going to be pretty good. So. Um, I would say the Chiefs would be the biggest rival, but I would agree that I think it still is Denver on top. I actually have Casey as one of my wild cards. There we go. So I'm with you on the on the Chiefs. All right. So what do we got train. for the South? I think it's Indy. I think it's Indy too. I think it's Indy. Yeah. Um, I think Houston's going to get there, maybe probably next year. Right. It's if they have the quarterback. I, that's obviously that's what it is. No question. Now, does Aaron Foster come back? And yep. And that's he but, was such a big part of that offense last yeah. year. You know, it's. That's a tough loss for them yeah. moving forward. Uh, wild card, I mentioned Kansas City. I'm going to South Beach. I'm going to Miami Dolphins. I would say Miami is a sneaky t- I would. Uh, I wrote them down as well. I, I, I think Tannehill is a good quarterback. They're going to be competitive, I think, in the AFC East. They'll, I think Ndamukong Sue. Sure. You know, it's a very, very good defensive line. They already, you know, I have Cam Wake in there as well. Um, I, I love Jarvis Landry from – Oh, yeah. Receiver big, standpoint. Big Jarvis Landry guy. Uh, I know you don't like their first-round pick, Devontae Parker, but yes. nonetheless. Correct. Uh, he practiced for the first time on Monday, just to let you know. Congrats. They were celebrating in Miami. Um, there you go. But I have the, so I have the Dolphins and Chiefs as my wild cards. All right. I, I have uh, the Ravens and the Chiefs as my wild cards. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll lead the charge to the NFC North, or in the NFC. We'll start with the yeah. North. We've got uh, – I, I still think it's the Packers. Agreed. You know, you have Aaron Rodgers still healthy there. Uh, NFC West, I think it's the Seahawks, and you know they've they've got, but obviously they add Jimmy Graham. The rookies this year, I think, are going to play a really huge part of that team. I think that Frank Clark uh, has already been lights out for them this preseason. Uh, they're getting Tried to punch Bill Rivers' lights from, out, from what I heard. Yeah, um, and Tyler Lockett has made an impact for them as well. As special teams, I think Seattle's going to be better as long as they can get some quality play in terms of pass protection from that offensive line. I was tempted to put St. Louis. Yeah, I really, you know, they. They get a quarterback with Nick. 
They got the defensive line. Yeah. You know, outstanding. The defense talented. is crazy. The defense is going to be the outstanding. The defense is very good. Uh, the running game takes a hit because Trey Mason, he's going to have a, you know, he's a hobbled hamstring. Which is unfortunate, yep. Um, they got Gurley. You don't, but you don't know quite when he's going to be ready yeah. yet. But uh, I feel like the pieces are in place for them to take that next step and, and contend. They had some quality wins down the stretch last year when they were out of it. Uh, if Nick can solidify that quarterback position, I think they should be in the mix. So yeah. I, I was tempted. I, I think San Francisco is taking a huge drop off. No one's talking about Arizona. Yeah, you know, no one's talking about Arizona. That's right. And the offensive line is not great. They don't have much of a running game still. Some people like Andre Ellington from a town standpoint, but he's got to be able to stay healthy. The defense, they lost Todd Bowles. Yep. You know, that's – It's a tough one. They lose Cromartie too, so they're going to have to shift uh, yeah. some guys around in the secondary. Yeah. That's a tough one. Um, well, look forward to when they come here in December, though. That's right. The Bruce Arians-Chip Kelly matchup. It's, it's always a good one. Uh, NFC South. This was a division that was oh. much maligned a year ago. All right. Seven and nine teams, six and ten almost, making it into the playoffs. So seven, eight, and one, uh, Carolina. Yeah. So what are we looking at? I, I mean, to me, I think it's the Saints. I think that okay. uh, even, losing, right. even losing Jimmy Graham, I think that they're going to get back to running the ball. Uh, and playing more of a ball control type offense, I think defensively, uh, they've got some guys healthy. I think they've changed around a lot of the uh, the factors that affected them negatively in the locker room. Um, I think I think the Saints will come out and, and take that division. I went with a different team, the Atlanta Falcons. I think that they've got the quarterback, no question. They've got an all-world wide receiver. As much as Bo Wolf hates M- Matt Ryan, uh, uh, indeed. Doesn't hate him, just doesn't think that he's on the he's a, he's upper Matt tier. Ryan but uh, they got Dan Quinn to kind of solidify. Pin charter the, grad. They got Dan Quinn right. to solidify the defense. They had Vic Beasley, who's bringing speed off the edge there. Uh, they were right in the hunt at the end of last year. Yeah, and I, 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 think, I think it was defense, if they if they had won, it was like yeah. they were right there last year. Right. Uh, I do agree with New Orleans. I feel like it's almost like the last call for Drew Brees. Almost it yeah. seems like. Uh, Brian Cooks is an electrifying receiver. Um, the defense, I still think, is a big question. A lot of murmurs that Garrett Grayson might be the the quarterback next year, the third round pick from Colorado really? State. Really? Yep. Um, but I mean, with the, with Atlanta, I think that, and we'll talk about them more next week. But, of course. Um, I think the two big bugaboos with them will be the secondary and the offensive line. Great. If you can if you can get past those two areas, uh, I, they just don't have the horses right now up front, in my opinion. And then in the secondary. Um, I think they still want to add a couple pieces to get to what you know, they want in the back end, but um, but neither yeah. of us taking Carolina though to repeat. No, that's correct. That's a that's a very good point. So uh, we've gone through the NFC. I think we both feel comfortable saying that we feel like the Eagles will will take the East. It's after that, yes. and to me, I'm going to start from the bottom, and I'll go Washington. I mean, yep. we haven't touched on the whole quarterback situation, and yeah, I don't know if I've. I've, this is my 12th season, I believe, covering the team. I've not seen anything like this where you have a guy that you figure is your guy that's supposed to be your guy, and they just don't want Seems anything like a long to time do. Ago. Was it seven picks or six picks they gave up for him? I forget the number. I think it, I think it was six picks and Whatever eight players. That, that's, they ended up trading down a couple times and getting more player like yeah. this. That's the biggest thing to me. Is it's Obviously, it's there's a lot of turmoil down there with what's going on, but it's just all that they gave up for him, and now just – to where things were and i remember that you know he was drafted when nick Foles was drafted in that same right, rookie same year. year yep and it was i mean we went down there for that game and i was just in awe of how 
how spectacular he, he was. And just was to, it one incomplete pass? Yeah. Four, I think it was 14 to 15, 15 something like that. Something absurd. Both it, games, though, he was just unbelievable. Out. But it, it's not even just that they gave up all those picks. And then, you know, it would be one thing if he showed up in Washington and it was just a, a flat out bust. Like you can move the, on. Yeah. You just move on. But, I mean, what you saw from that rookie, and again, there were, they made things pretty easy for him in terms of what they did. They really kind of catered to his skill set coming out of college. Then he got hurt, and that kind of took you down that this path that led us to where we're at right now. But uh, it's really it's crazy to see where where we're at. You know, two years ago, uh, everyone was like, you know, the, the highlighting of the Superman and the Bert and Ernie socks, and uh, you know, the big smiles and everything. And now where we're at now, it's uh, it's crazy. Less is more. Yes. Less is more indeed. Uh, third place in the division, I go New York. Yeah. I I expect the offense. To put up a lot of numbers this year. Obviously, Odell Beckham had the phenomenal rookie season. Eli Manning in the second year of that system with Ben McAdoo. Offensive line, they added Eric Flowers, but there's still some question marks. It seems like Victor Cruz, he's not a definite go for week one. He's still hampered. Right. Um, the defense, a lot of question marks of that defense. The Pierre Paul situation. I mean, they were already, I think, in trouble. The Pierre Paul thing just adds to it. Secondary, I mean, yep. you know, Eagles fans complain about the safety position here. I mean, they are really struggling to find yep. guys who can just suit up and play at this point. Sure, uh, up in New York, so I think that didn't pull them down to a point where I still have. Them. Now they could be a sneaky team that's going to give a lot of teams problems. And I think the offense. I think they're going to take another step in that offense too under Ben McAdoo. So yeah, that'll be the thing to watch with them. Well, where do, now, where do you go for ranking wise? Do you have Washington? Yeah, four. yeah, Washington four. And- I would say the Giants three, but I think Giants and Dallas are pretty close. Pretty really close. And and how Dallas plays this year is going to be interesting because on both sides of the ball now because now they look they lose their top corner. Uh, so yeah. how they how they play coverage wise will they play more man to man because they played a lot of man at the end of the last year. Um, will they play more man? Will they play more zone? If they play more zone, now they're going to have to rely on. Uh, their rookie Byron Jones to to step in and play at a high level, and he's nursing a shoulder injury. Uh, offensively, they lose to Marco Murray. So now, what are you going to do up front? You know, are you going to put more on Tony Romo's plate? Will he be able to handle it? That's These the big the question. That's the, the Tony Romo the ability for him to carry the offense is the biggest question yeah. because their foundation last year, which Fran you explained multiple times on, in your Eagle Eye stories and on the podcast, just the fact that you know they trusted DeMarco Murray to shoulder the load on offense and hey Tony make a couple plays each game and he was able to right we don't know if Joseph Randall and uh Darren McFadden McFadden, Lance Dunbar right you know if the the trio there will be able to get the job done still a very good offensive line certainly but the whole it all comes down to Romo now defensively I like the line I think the line's gonna be very good from a pass rush standpoint I think it'll help uh mitigate some of the loss there of Skandrick but yeah, that's that was a huge loss for them no, no question no question so that'll be that'll it'll be interesting to see how it plays out I mean I feel very, we obviously feel very good about the Eagles and their situation no question um anything else prediction wise do you want to go well, so let's far who, who's your MVP offensive offensive player of the year and defense player of the year uh I went Rodgers as MVP Adrian Peterson is the player of the year offensive player of the year and JJ Watt I love hard knocks and just watching like how that guy prepares. And does everything. he ham it up for the cameras? Yes or no? No, I don't think so. That's, I don't that's think he does. That's the biggest thing. Everyone wants to know. Mm, I don't think he until does. nine, ten o'clock. But it seems like everyone that writes or talks about him 
always has these stories. So it seems didn't like we talk to Marigris because Marigris works out with him up in Wisconsin? Yeah, yeah Nick Nick Rotundi, one of our producers, right. actually went out with him, and he was very much that same guy when they were in the gym. Yeah, but again, to, I, I Nick think was filming, him, so there was cameras there. That's awesome. I don't know. I th- yeah. I think that's him. Uh, I think Luck will be the MVP. I think yeah. with all the weapons around him, you know, he's already kind of in that conversation to begin with. I know uh, one question is, you know, would Sa- could Sam Bradford be someone who enters that discussion if the Eagles are successful? I feel like the the media perception with Sam will just be part of it is the offensive scheme, no matter how good he plays. Plus, I think you're going to have a lot of production from the running backs as well to kind of offset the potential. But right. Eagles have never had a 4,000-yard passer individually. Yep. I well, think. and that's and that's why I went with Rodgers because you talk about the media perception, them losing Jordy Nelson, uh, Randall Cobb's you know got hurt the other night. Yeah, uh, if they go and if they win eleven, twelve games, and he throws for you know forty eight hundred yards, uh, you know, and I I think he'll be the MVP. I'm just trying to think you know outside the box. I agree, defensive player of the year. You know, could someone come out of the woodwork and you know put together a twenty sack season to kind of enter discussion? Sure, but. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head with the uh, offensive player of the year. It's yeah. like you th- you think of the guys who have the potential, like Le'Veon Bell with the Steelers, but he's missing he's two missing games. He's missing a couple games at least, yep. Um, you know, if, if Odell Beckham has another sensational year like he did last year, I think he'd be in the conversation, obviously. But, it, you know, Adrian, P- Adrian Pearson's an interesting one because – He's going to be in the limelight. Because you doubted – I doubted him coming from the ACL that he was going to be as good as he was. So this time around, I think I'm sort of like, all right, I expect him to be outstanding again. But at some point, father time always wins. Is this going to be the year? Now, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a good quarterback. they got some nice weapons around him. So I think that's going to help it a little bit. All right, so I think that's a good look at the predictions. I don't want to talk about who comes out of the NFC. Obviously, because I'll say the Eagles. But AFC. Does anyone unseat the New England Patriots? I, I think if it's anybody, I would have to go Indy right now. And not as much because of the, the free agency period and things, because a lot of people are saying, oh, they got so. I just think that Andrew Luck uh, is going to be an, a year better um, and he's going to be a year uh, more comfortable with that offense, uh, with that personnel. They added a couple guys in the draft as well. Uh, I I, I got to say that Indy, if there's going to be a team that's going to unseat New England, it'll be Indy. I, I agree. I actually have them. I wrote them down as a team that comes out uh, just because of how good luck is. So that's going to do it for game time. Let's now transition to mailing it in. Captain, incoming message. Please check your mailbox. A new message has arrived. And now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in our segment, Mailing it in. The last segment here on this week's edition of the Eagles Entire Podcast, none other than mailing it in. So the questions were great on Twitter this week. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, first one, I don't, even, I don't even know it's really a question. Uh, one of the loyal fans, oh wow, hmm, on Twitter, who throws John into all of his names, uh, wants to know about the sleeves with Sam Bradford. This is the... Joe Dolan from FantasyGuru.com, who longtime contributor to PhiladelphiaEagles.com, former intern of ours. You know he's been on me about the sleeves. So I actually have a I have an interview request in with media relations to interview Bradford about the sleeves because I don't want to just bombard him and be like, 
you know, tell me about the sleeves. Talk yeah. about the sleeves. Yeah, it's something that I'm like, you know, it's good for it'd be good for Sam because it will show off a little bit of his personality. You know, it's not just about the injury and this, that, and the other. But it's just so fascinating because you look at Oklahoma, you look at St. Louis. He wore tight sleeves. Okay. Yeah. All of a sudden. And I asked uh, one of the equipment guys here at the Eagles about it. I was like, what is the deal with the sleeves? And I just got the story about how the, the jersey was delivered like the day or two before training camp. And it's like they hold it up and it's like a blanket that's just so big that it's like, what are, you know, what is this all about? But it's what he requested. So I just want. I'm going to be 100%. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you 100 right here. I had no idea what guy, when Joe asked me about the sleeve, I was like, what are you talking about? And then I had to go back and look, and I'm like, yeah, I guess they're bigger. Like, I don't know. I'm just bad with details, I think. Well, you, no, you're watching the All-22. That's yeah, too far away. That, yeah. that is something you will not pick up in the All-22. We watched them from the, from the truck in the broadcast when they run out, when the quarterbacks run out, and I'm just like, my God, those sleeves look awful. What? I, I mean, didn't know. I yeah. don't know this. They just don't <laughs> look do good. I mean, that? it's almost like he has a Bobby Hoying jersey on or something. <laughs> yes. He's got, the, he's got the Jared Lorenz and uh, Hefty oh. Lefty jersey on. <laughs> I had no idea. I tell, and then I'm looking. I'm like, all right, I guess they're bigger. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, just look at him and everybody else. I'm just like, what happened to his sleeves? Yeah. Like, does he have a replica jersey on or something? <laughs> they couldn't get the right size at times. So they're like, just go out there, Sam. Just go out there. We'll fix it. But he's playing so well that you don't want to fix it at this point. So, uh, so we we've taken notice of the sleeves. Uh, let's see this question here, Joe Celestro. As uh, about we mentioned this briefly earlier in the show, Daheem Watkins could he unseat Marcus Smith as the third outside linebacker? That's a good question. Uh, you know, have I seen? Have I personally seen enough? I don't know that I personally have seen enough, but the coaches are with those guys every day. Uh, they see him in practice every day, and that's what you know. People kind of lose sight of is oh well, what did he show in these three preseason games? Well, what is what is he shown in the twenty some practices uh, in yeah. mini camps and things like that? But. Um, It'll be interesting to watch. We got one more game to find out. Uh, Seth Scott wants to know if Zach Ertz isn't ready for the opener, could Trey Burton start? And I would say Brent Selleck's the guy. Brent Selleck's the guy. If they go in eleven personnel and and one tight end, Brent Selleck's going to be on the field. Yeah, but if they go twelve personnel, Trey Burton will be on the field. Yeah, and he'll be a starter. Definitely. But I love Trey Burton, so I'm going to be wrong. I, I'm, I'm, it's going to be close to uh, the the team lead in receiving yards. Who do you love more, Trey Burton or Taylor or Taylor Hart? Hart. Ooh. I would say Taylor Hart, who made a couple more plays against the run on uh, on Saturday did a, night. Did a great job against the run. Yes. And uh, the last one from our good friend Bo Wolf. Oh, Robert. Robbie wants us to rank the backup quarterbacks in the NFC East. Oh, that's such a Bo Wolf question. Yes. So number one, without a doubt, speaking of father time, is Brandon Wheaton. Well, yes. That kick, being, that, kick, that kick can spin it. I am being completely <laughs> facetious, by the way. Yes. I just want to say it to uh, tweak Bo there because he loves loves Brandon Weed. Loves him some Brandon Weed. Next to Mike Bell, his favorite player of all time. Yes, and uh, Danny Watkins. That's right. Let's see. So Sanchez to me. Yeah, Sanchez is the best think, of the group, no question. You know, even if I'm not drinking the midnight green Kool Aid. Yeah, I mean that's which I serve to my kids each and every night. Um, I don't even think that your that your wife can argue with the fact that yeah be, even my wife even my even my wife had to admit yeah Sam Bradford played pretty well so, did she say anything about the accuracy yeah it was better <laughs> <laughs> the ten for ten was eh. yeah yeah why yeah. <laughs> wasn't he eleven for eleven exactly exactly um, Sanchez one 
I would probably I would go Colt McCoy too. Okay. If you're going with him in Washington. Sure. Um a guy who I think could come in and run the offense, you know, competently. He's won a couple of games in the league. Nothing flashy. Uh I go weed in three. You know, he's been a starter in this league, has the arm, obviously old man strength, yeah. helping him out in that regard. Um but I don't think he's gonna make I think Colt McCoy is not going to make the type of mistakes that will kill you. Right. I just think there might be a little bit more of an upside with Whedon. But, you know, if I'm looking for a backup, I just want someone to kind of just keep the ship afloat, so to speak. Like a McCoy, Whedon, and uh, Ryan Nassib. Ryan Nassib is unproven at this point. And, you know, that's a former draft Nick favorite. That's right. Number one player in the draft class, according exactly. to some. So, so a bull wolf favorite. Was this a donkey whopping yes. this past game? That's a good question. Yes, that probably would be. Would that qualify? I think that would qualify. He will appreciate. It. He did. He did text me and say, "Tell BT that I really appreciate the Kimo von Olhoffen reference." Yes. He so loved he that. did say. I was watching Sunday Night Football last night, and what they bring up the Kimo von Olhoffen. Uh, they, they talked about the whole Carson, Carson, Palmer. Carson Palmer getting hit by, and I was like, "There you go." I was like, "I brought it, it up last week." They, why, they've clearly listened to the Eagles Insider podcast. Clearly, indeed. And so. by the way, Khalil Mack is a beast. Yes. That yes. kid can play. I watched him at Buffalo when he was a true I was, freshman. I, was, I, I thought about it. They, saw, they, they showed some Buffalo highlights. And oh, I'm yeah. Like, Fran saw this. He was really, really good. Beginning. Started playing football his senior year. Yeah. That's, that's, well, that's why he wasn't recruited. That's ridiculous. Uh, well, speaking of Buffalo and NFL players, we just saw him this past week, James Starks. My first yes. college football game that I ever worked, Temple at Buffalo, the okay. first game for Al Golden and the first game for Turner Gill, who was the head coach. Remember Turner Gill, the former Heisman winner? Uh, Nebraska was the head coach of Buffalo before yep. he went to Kansas. Uh, it was the first game of both their tenures. It was a nine to, I believe it was nine to six. No, you know what? It was, it was nine to three. Was Chris? The final you remember score. that game, right? Nine to six. No. It, was not, it was a nine to three final. It was three three going into overtime. Uh, and James Stark scored a touchdown on a, I think it was a, a counter run. Something you remember the corner. play? That's ran, funny right, ran right in front. I was at the pylon. Uh, you know, I was I was doing camera. I was shooting on the field. Ran right in front of me. And I said, James Starks, there he goes. True freshman running back at the time. Uh, former quarterback. Good player, though, in college. So, well, I think it's been a fun ride. That it has. Covered a lot of topics here. Yes. In this edition. This will be a long one. Eagles Insider Podcast. So, thank you very much. If you stayed with us throughout the entire show all the way to the end, uh, give a little shout out to Rashid Bailey. Great interview. Thoroughly enjoyed uh, getting to chat with him. And, uh, you know, it's guys like him who you pull, who you pull for. Yeah, stand up character, you know, stand up guy uh, doesn't throw former teammates or coaches under the bus like some of the guys he went He's up very, against in very college. Passionate about his job, very, yes. very much so. So, uh, you have to have a lot of respect for Sheep Bailey. Toast, toast any final words? No, no. Oh, oh, no questions. Now he's, please. Shy, no questions. Now he's shy and humble. Look at that. <laughs> right. Let's go Albright football. There, there you go. All right, keep keep it within forty two this year against Dalvin. <laughs> There we go. So for uh, producers, Brian Thomas, Chris Stevens, my co-host, Fran Duffy, I'm Chris McPherson. You've been listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Once again, please subscribe, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, and make sure to rate and comment. So thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week to preview Monday Night Football against the Atlanta Falcons.